Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride. I'm Sweetin Kakar. My guest is Martin Boyce, who in 1969 was front and center at Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village. So before we jump into that night of the riots, um, I read that as a teenager, you used to dress in scare drag, or now what we would call just makeup. Can you tell me a little bit about why you did that? Oh, well, it wasn't an identity situation. It was a protest. Uh, I hated the way things were, and there was no way to react, uh, you know, as a teenager. So I decided to push it forward into people's faces, you know, to have them recognize me as what I was. And um, I was in school, in college, so there was no need to work at at that point. So I was able to do it. So you used to doll up and go to straight places. Well, yes, because um, for the first time, loud gay people or flame queens or whatever you want to call them would gather in groups and go to the Met, to the zoo, to Coney Island, something they didn't do when I was a child. I never saw that. But you you did that as a teenager, so you were fairly young while you were doing that. Yes, but I was uh, a, a child in the 50s, and so that was the worst era for gay people. The 50s was the, 50s the, were was the worst. So yes. when you got older, you realized that it got a little better. What was that experience? Well, it got a bit more tolerant because of the sexual revolution and the hippies. Because of their long hair and the way they dressed, it was hard to tell what you were on the way right. downtown. So you, your chances of getting beaten, which was it was a city sport to beat gay people at the time. So to get downtown was very easy. So why would you dress in drag or why would you put makeup on if you knew that it was a sport to get beat up? Well, to challenge them, I mean, we were very prepared. I was a good runner. (laughs) That was the most important thing. And we had to do something, something to, um, to protest or to, to seek some identities, to let people see who we were, what we were, and that we weren't necessarily evil, bad, or a monster just because we looked like that. You were also a native New Yorker. Yes. Uh, so being born and raised and living in New York, uh, you didn't find anywhere in New York to be safe, did you? Yes, there was uh, Christopher Street. Right. So just was safety in numbers. Right, so just Christopher Street was... And Central Park, the Rambles. Okay. Yeah. So what about Christopher Street did it feel safe? Like, what did it feel like to be on Christopher Street? Oh, Christopher Street was a wonderful place because of the amount of gay people there. I mean, you didn't have to worry uh, if there was any incidents, there was enough of us to prevent that or to retaliate. But there was no need to retaliate. It seldom happened that they'd attack us 
they never attack your group. They get you uh, uh, when you were alone okay. or from a car. They could see you, where you were going and mm-hmm. we're alone. So they were predatory but um, guileful about how they did things. Okay. But Christopher Street was home. How often did you visit Christopher Street? Oh, I was there every night. Every night? Every night, because my crowd was, the crowd that fought at Stonewall was my crowd. So Stonewall in itself, did you go there often? Was that a place for you to always be at? Oh, yes. I mean, I would go there often, but in the summer nights I would take to the streets, but I would stop in Stonewall. So what was Stonewall like? Can you paint a picture of of what the scene was like sitting in Stonewall (laughs) back then? Well, Stonewall was... Already, the moment it opened, became famous amongst gay people. Because mm-hmm. it was a dancing bar, we didn't have that. And it was centrally located, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And Stonewall was really a dump. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I think, burnt out at one point and was just painted black. Mm-hmm. It looked like a bunch of black boxes. Uh, there was no running water. So you ordered a beer in a bottle, and you wiped the bottle down, if you knew Stonewall. Mm-hmm. It, but it had a great jukebox and a great dancing floor. And it had, well, at the time, it wasn't, there was no gay bar for certain people. Everybody had to go to the same bar. So what happened is everybody went. It was like a, a gay Noah's Ark. If there was a flood for a while, we would have been saved. And um, it was just fun. The jukebox was great. The drag queens controlled the jukebox because they could vogue in front of it. <laughs> uh and also that was um, a means of communication because if you had an argument with someone, you could play a song to answer them. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it made sense. Right. Uh, but there were also laws or unspoken laws in Stonewall where people in regular clothes would sit up front and the drags would kind of sit around the corner. Was, was that something that you just knew when you walked in? or No. W- 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 there were two ways to walk in. Right. One way was not preferred because if you went around the long bar, Mm -hmm. you would come right into the light near the dance floor and then your friends would recognize you Mm -hmm. and they would be cheers or hellos. Uh, But gays weren't a united people at the time. Uh, To go down the long bar was to run a gauntlet of air gays in suits who resented us. Understandably, I mean, they had jobs to protect and Mm -hmm. uh, they thought we gave them a bad name. Uh, So we had to run that gauntlet and then we were back into the bar where my people were. Stonewall would get raided all the time. Well, the, no raids were famous. It wasn't right. uh, any bad raids. I mean, uh, they would check, sort of. Right. People had ID, and mm-hmm. they didn't go too far. Sometimes they didn't go further than the door. Because, you know, there was activity between the police and the mafia over this bar. Right. But... Um, so would you remember any of those raids? No, not that those raids. Other bars, yes, right. but never Stonewall. But do you do remember the raid from the first night of the riot? Oh, absolutely, because okay. that was a great shock, a tremendous shock. And where were you then? I was on the way to Stonewall. Oh, okay. <laughs> and a friend of mine came up and said, you, and he was our type. Uh-huh. And to me and my friend Bertie, we he was like a platonic lover. And he said, you're not getting in because they weren't letting in a lot of scares that night. Okay. So we knew we weren't going to get in because he himself uh, didn't get in. Right. So he planned to do something else. He was sitting on a stoop, but there was tremendous commotion in Stonewall. And uh, people were rushing behind me, walking fastly towards Sixth Avenue, and someone mentioned a raid. So I went to, ch- we went, well, went to check it out. Mm-hmm. One form of entertainment, which doesn't sound so nice now, sort of like a schadenfreude, was to, if you weren't in the raid, to stand outside and watch it. 
Okay. And watch the people come out, watch people get arrested, and just be glad it wasn't you. I mean, so uh, you just watch the show, and that's what we did. Only this was a major section of the village. The show, well, the audience for the show was enormous. I mean, for the, in order, I mean, streetwise in filling the street, it was a big group watching what was happening. And this was the first night. This of, was the first night. And what did you see? Well, as soon as I got there, we formed a semicircle around the bar, if you know the geography of, of Stonewall. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as I got there, there was a queen being pushed. She already was pushed into the paddy wagon, but she kicked the cop in the shoulder with her high heel, and he went back. And he jumped in, and then you heard flesh and bone against metal. And we all grimaced because we knew she got it. Yeah. But she kicked the cop. At that moment, we were like, well, you know, she kicked him. That's what we thought. Mm-hmm. And um, he closed the door, came out, and he looked at us and he said, okay, you faggots, you've seen enough. Now get out. He was confident because they tell us to leave and we would leave. Right. He turned around and for some reason we didn't leave. Why? I don't know. And I don't know what anybody looked like. Everybody took a step forward towards him as his back went to us, and another step. He felt it. He turned around to say it again, this time he, severely. And he didn't say it. He looked in our faces, and he blinked and gulped, and the right was on. What was the feeling, then, of that, of that moment of empowerment? Well, that's what it is. It was a moment of empowerment. It was a consensus. Um... Because all gay people at the time wanted was for the famous New York indifference to affect the cops, just right. to leave us alone. Right. And that didn't happen. I mean, mm-hmm. I was uh, hanging around the village since 1966, and by the, uh, 1969, we all had a, 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 a notebook in our heads of everyone that was beaten, harmed, mm-hmm. uh, family notified, thrown in the street. The casualty list was horrible. And uh, nothing was ever done about it, but it stayed in our heads. That night, the notebook was open, and each of us read it silently in our hearts. And I don't know what anybody looked like, because I didn't look to the side either, even at Birdie. We just kept looking at that cop. When he ran into the bar, because, you see, the riot, I think, started in different sections within that small area, mm-hmm. because there was enough provocation from the police. So the riot started with us right then and there with him, but it started in other spots right near us because of other police. There was just enough provocation to start a riot, and it, they did. What did that riot look like? What did it feel like? Well, first of all, it was adrenaline, uh, almost an unconscious rage, uh, but the rage became very clear. People started throwing all their pennies at the cops as they were rushing into the bar and at the Stonewall itself because they were made of copper. And then we started throwing other things that we could. And all of a sudden, then bricks were thrown and and, and more things were thrown. It it just became a complete rage. However, which I thought was always interesting, it was a rage against the police, not against straight people. Uh Straight people that were trapped in the riot were guided out. I thought that was wonderful. They were really shook up. The, the straight people. Oh, my God, they were shook up. I mean, they couldn't believe there were that many gay people screaming, carrying on in full of rage. A lot of people have different accounts of the first night or the other nights. Why are they so different? Because memory is different. 
everyone has a different view because everyone's memory is different. Right. Because you're not in one place in a ride. You're swirling. You're moving kaleidoscopically. You see things in frames, and that's it. So not everybody saw the same things. Right. Right. Exactly. Because you may have been threatened to the front of the riot, and right. then the threat would have come to the side of the riots when the police reinforced. So you, you just didn't know. But you could feel it right. and smell it. What was the smell? Sweat and burnt garbage cans and, and shop windows and, and, and cloth being burnt. So yeah. there were fires. They were little fires, yeah, and trash cans and uh, all over. Were you ever afraid for yourself? No, because that kind of adrenaline uh, doesn't allow for fear. And were you there just the first night? Cause it no, every night, because that was my hangout, my street. So, so were you there for the, the next few nights oh, of yes, the riots? Oh, yes, every night. So what was every other night after that? It wasn't as the first night. The Stonewall Wright is the first night. Right. Afterwards, it was just someone, well, not just, but people coming to do their thing, to, you know, to add to it, to demonstrate their feelings. And that mm-hmm. was important. Right. But it was not like the first night, which really was the riot. And the whole point was to keep the riot going. Why was that the whole point? I don't know. It was just out there in our heads. Just keep it going. What made you guys think if you kept this going that there would be a change? or what? No, there wouldn't there be a change. Oh. It would just give the police a run. Oh, so this was just to give the police the run. It wasn't, uh, there was no sentiment of change, was there? Oh, not at all. Okay. It was a riot, and the police were after us, and we were going to make them chase us and exhaust them. And now today, do you feel that the, the police are... Are the same, respectful? Do you think they're that more they... respectful officially? Okay. As an organization, do you think that they owe the LGBT community an apology for for some of the things that have happened in the last fifty years? Well, yes, but they've apologized by being kinder now and, and, and officially recognizing us. So the other nights, people say it lasted four nights, six nights. How long did it last to you? Oh, at least five. At least five. Five. And and what and was diminish each night? The news actually didn't. Uh, cover it right away. No, but the whole city knew the next day. Oh, they did? Oh, absolutely. How, how did that work get around? Because gay people were of interest the way that criminals are of interest, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, I mean, people knew. My father knew when I got home at five in the morning. And right. my father said, it's about time you guys did something. It was amazing. Yeah, how did you feel when he said that to you? I didn't know what to think. Yeah. But I do not remember, like, about three or four days later. Now, mind you, I was very loud, even in the neighborhood. And there was um, a sanitation worker who was throwing these big bags into the back of the truck. Uh-huh. And he gave me this look and bent over and gave me this scowling look. And I said, oh, my God, this guy is really going to do something, I think. Right. No, he raised his fist in salute. Oh. That's when I knew we were winning hearts and minds. And that's why I believe that the gay movement would succeed some way because the more in hearts and minds, uh, the closer you are to victory, which we really didn't count on, but that's what it turned out to be. Right now, 50 years later from Stonewall, how does that, like, to look back, do you feel accomplished? Do you feel that what you guys did 50 years ago really matters today? Yes, it's strange that a riot would be so positive in its effects. Mm-hmm. Because uh, riots aren't nice things. I've been in other riots, and it wasn't like, well, it was like Stonewall, except the purpose of the riot uh, in Stonewall was far deeper than often I had seen, riots on the Lower East Side and, yeah. uh, over music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the rage was controlled and directed at one group, the police. Scores weren't settled between different queens. Mm -hmm. Nobody settled a score because they had the chance to do it. That was great. That was great. Yeah, because we were all really... I think it's the first night you could say we were a people. Why would you say that? Because we're united. Do you feel that, that if it wasn't Stonewall, would it have been another place? I think so. Because gay life had changed by 1969. How so? Well, everything had changed. Uh, gay fiction had changed. Gay pulp fiction had changed. Gay press had changed its attitude. There was more of a confidence and a belief in ourselves by 1969 than there was before. I mean, Truman Capote was on television. Tennessee Williams had achieved great fame. So there was, not like the 50s, where there was just silence, Rock Hudson's silence, you know. Even though he was silent in the 60s, other people weren't. Some people think that the, the gay rights movement is over because of marriage equality. Do you think that it's over? No, because it's global. Right. And that's different. I mean, it's not a case anymore of just us. It's a case, I think, of every gay person having to go beyond our borders and look for justice. Right. Yeah. You spoke a lot about violence. That's still happening today. Yes, but That's, not like then. It's not like then. No. I mean, St. Patrick's Day was a free-for-all f- to attack mm-hmm. gay people. When you went downtown, if you got to Christopher Street, mm-hmm. Queens wouldn't say hi. They would say, oh, you made it. And so to get down to Christopher Street, it was <laughs> a, a miracle. I mean, I did it because I posed as a hippie, and then when I got there, rearranged my clothes. It only took five minutes. <laughs> you, so you, what would you rearrange your clothes to? What would you change? Well, denims and a work shirt. Right. Uh, a polka dot tie. Okay. To, to make me sure I was a hippie. And my hair pulled back a little. And uh, when I got there, I would just have the bag. I would take off mm-hmm. the pants, the shirt, and there was an outfit underneath. And it was light to carry that around. So it was all practical. Aren't you glad that you don't have to do that anymore? Well, yes. <laughs> I'm glad I'm old. <laughs> you don't have to change your clothes anymore everywhere you go. You can wear whatever you like. Yes. So in that way, it has, you know, really come a long way. Oh, it's come so, so far. So what next? What's next in the movement? I think recovering our history. Okay. I think um, uh, making our history more available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And history is a story. Like in Italian, it's called la storia, the story. Mm-hmm. And not to look at it as a dry fact thing. Uh, because history, you know, in a sense of Homeric history. I think Stonewall has a Homeric quality to it. So you think that there's been stories that have been lost that you want to reclaim? Yes, because, you know, I, I think that we weren't getting any respect because we had no chance for valor. Mm-hmm. And if we had valor... It wasn't because you were gay. You had valor because you were in the military. You had valor because you did things like that. But for the first time since the sacred band of Thebes, gay people demonstrated valor. I mean, that required valor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why my father and people like that were respected. Thank you so much for telling us your story. Okay. <laughs> you know, today you don't wear makeup, but you still look just as fabulous. Oh, thank you very You're much. welcome. Thank you so much, Martin okay, Boyce, for coming in. I'm very proud to be here. Relive the history, hear the stories, and be inspired. From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride at 1010wins.com slash pride. I'm Sweetina Kakar. <laughs>